One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that gets our guests talking like there's no mic in front of them, whether they believe that's even possible before we get started, by using the power of the song story. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is David Hintz. David is a Southwest Florida-based singer-songwriter who's been actively writing and performing his own music and covers since high school. He began writing in his late teens and still performs the songs he wrote while on the road in the early 70s. He describes his lyrics as being a reflection of real-life experiences with everything from love, one and lost, online dating, satire, religion, and politics. He says he loves to cover songs by his favorite writers and performers like Jerry Jeff Walker, John Prine, Randy Newman, Michael Nesmith, Steve Goodman, and Dolly Parton. David has three CDs in print, 2013's Road Hard and Put Away Wet, 2015's Out With a Bang, and Happy Tuesday, released in 2020. He's a founding member of the Americana Community Music Association in Fort Myers and has performed solo shows in Florida, up and down the East Coast, and across the U.S. He and I became Facebook friends at some point, but had never met face-to-face until recently when I bought a little electric guitar from him that he'd done some work on. Discovered it because he posted a video about it on Facebook, and it was during that transaction that we booked him for this show, and now we're off and running toward his three song stories. Hey there, David. How's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Like I said before, it's nice to see your face. We saw each other briefly over a, an electric kid's guitar recently, masked. Masked. But now we're faced. Yes, it's, uh, it's a whole different thing now. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. Um, so how many monkey songs do you know on the guitar? Oh, at least a half a dozen. Yeah? What's your favorite one to play? Probably last train to Clarksville. Okay, I'm I'm glad that there was a good answer to that because I saw you mention Mike Nesmith, and then your songs kind of seem like. And then I looked at your musical stylings, and I thought, I bet you play some monkey songs. I do, just for grins. Okay, yeah. um, so where did you grow up? Uh, I well, I was born in Germany. Then we moved to Italy. Then we moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when I was probably about three. Okay, so no no good memories of the early European days. No, no, okay. no, no, no real memories of that uh, that I can conjure up at the moment. Um, Milwaukee, yes, we stayed there till '61. Okay, so how old would you have been then? <sighs> Seven? No, '61. You're making me do math. I know moment. math on the radio um, is never good. <laughs> see, I guess uh, since I was born in '52 and '61, I would have been eight okay. or nine. Okay, so what was the musical? What do you remember from the musical time of in that part of your life? Oh, not a whole lot. Not uh, a whole the lot. my parents when they listened to music. Um, they had a lot of different stuff. They listened to opera, um, a lot of show tunes. I remember things like Pirates of Penzance and mm, okay. stuff like that. But I don't know exactly what years those were in. Um, rock and roll was, of course, just starting in the 50s, and my parents didn't seem to be into that. They were more folkies, or my mother loved Sinatra. Okay. She was one of those. She used to uh, swoon over Sinatra the way that – uh, the women of my generation um, swooned over the Beatles. Oh, okay. So. Um, and so then where'd you go after Milwaukee? Uh, my father was uh, 
worked for Hubert Humphrey's campaign and then, of course, uh, Jack Kennedy's campaign. And he was the first administrator for the Peace Corps sent over to Africa. Uh, when this was your dad. My dad. Hmm. Right. So he dragged uh, my mother and my uh, older sister and my younger brother, uh, Tom, uh, over to Nigeria. We spent a year in Nigeria in Lagos and then – uh, we went to Liberia and spent a year in Monrovia. Wow. So, so that would have been like your formative years. Uh, yes. And they had one radio station and one TV station, I believe, in Nigeria and no TV in Liberia. And um, so our activities were outside, you know, chasing snakes and things like that. Um, and we always had a lot of Peace Corps volunteers around who were between my parents' age and my age and a lot of folk music, um, you know, commie stuff like Pete Seeger and right, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. What about the local music? Was there, do, you, do you have memories I of music being really played? I don't really remember a lot of the local <clears throat> music there, no. Um, I know that the one station we had, the, the rock and roll music that was coming out like um, um, in – in Everly Brothers, things like that, Elvis, that was playing on the local stations. And yes, I do remember music. They, Chubby Checker came out with the twist mm-hmm. while we were in Nigeria. And they had twisting contests. Really? That would go on for hours and hours and hours. And people would have heart attacks and die during these <laughs> twisting contests. I don't mean I to laugh, do remember but... that. I know it was pretty <laughs> insane. I, see, you're bringing up things that I haven't thought of in That's 50, what we do here. Years. I notice. <laughs> <laughs> this is better than therapy. Um, so uh, I remember that. I remember that. And I remember Kathy's Clown. Was that the Everly Brothers? Richard? Yeah, I got my computer going. Oh, that was uh, my, my sister. My sister used to play that song a lot. But, but the music that we got from the States was always about six months behind right, right. where it was in the States. So. That, but that was in Nigeria. I don't remember much of that in Liberia. We had Voice of America. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, was an Everly Brothers song. It was? Yes. Wow, what a memory. Um, I should start doing that one. The, um, so, yeah, that was that kind of stuff. That's, I, do, I do remember that. I mean, when we were in Nigeria, it was really interesting because the British had just left. And it was before the Nigerian Civil War. And Nigeria was three major parts. You know, it was uh, the, the Muslims, the houses, I, be, I believe, was up north. And then the uh, Igbos and Yorubas. I'm not really sure because I was young. But there were universities and all this kind of stuff. And um, I, went to a, uh, I went to a British, I believe it was a Catholic school where they used to beat us a lot. I hmm. remember that. Well, they beat me a lot because I'm not easily – I don't play well with others. Ornery? Yeah, yeah. And um, at least I remember getting it over the knuckles and the paddle with the holes in it and stuff like that a lot. So the the folky kami stuff, was that resonating with you? Was, it, it was, resonated, had you played a guitar yet at that point? It was – no. no. It was – by that point, it was still Michael Rowe, the boat ashore and stuff like that. You know, uh, the folky stuff came later, probably in the Philippines. When did you first pick up a guitar? In the Philippines, when I was about 11. Okay. Yeah. Acoustic? Yes. My parents uh, got me a guitar teacher, and 
he knew somebody that built guitars, and I got a hand-built guitar in the Philippines. I would think I was 10 or 11 years old. And Did you take right to it? Yes. Yeah, the Beatles were... The Beatles came out, what, 63, and we were in the Philippines in 64 and 65, and the, all the TV stations in the Philippines had Beatles shows on them. Uh, that was the biggest thing. Uh, you know, they'd get four Filipino guys with uh, bang haircuts, and they'd make sure that the bass player was left-handed, and they would play Beatles songs all the time. And... So that, that's what you mean by Beatles TV shows. You, oh, yeah. yeah it was, was like constant. This was like, was like, like buying burned CDs on the streets of New York, Beatles. Yeah, it was It was, it was, <laughs> it was Beatles knockoff Bootleg shows. Beatles. Yeah, no. that's what I'm getting at. It was like bootleg Beatles. Beatles with two E's. Beatles. No, no, no. That was Beetle Nut. We used to eat Beetle Nut, but no, no. It was John, Paul, George, and Ringo Beatles. Um Beatles and the Stones were really big, and you know, they just uh, American music was really, really big. Rock and roll was really booming then with the British invasion, and it. Uh, and I had an older sister; she was crazy about the Beatles. You know, she was just well, the Beatles and several other thousand uh, British invasion groups. Did you get to see the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show? Like the one that everybody's like, I saw the Beatles. I don't out. know. I saw them live at RFK Stadium. Oh, okay. I think that trumps the TV. Yeah. Well, sure, my sure. Si- my sister said we have to go. My parents put us on a D.C. transit bus, and we went all the way down to D.C. from the suburbs in Maryland after we got back from the Philippines. And my sister told me the other day because I asked her. She said it was 66, which is good because 65, we were still over in the Philippines. Um and that would have been a long bus ride. But we went down there, and you couldn't hear a thing. It was just screaming teenage girls, you know. Um, but it was pretty cool. How long did you have your first guitar? I had that guitar. We brought it back from the Philippines, and I fell on it going up the stairs in 1965 and smashed it. Hmm. Do you remember the first song that you learned? Eve of Destruction. Oh. Why'd you pick that one? Because How did you learn them back then? You couldn't just get on the internet and look up tabs. No, I, you know that's a, it's really it's so easy now. Um, in those days, you would play the record over and over and over. You just kept picking up the needle and um, and dropping it back down and trying to figure out if the chords were right. And luckily, most things were pretty simple. And um, and to, but to learn the lyrics, I remember sitting there with a a pen and a piece of paper and picking that needle up and uh, up and down a lot. Um, Kids these days don't know how hard it they was. They don't have any <laughs> idea. That's a pretty intense song, too, like to know the lyrics and then to be able to play it along right, for your first thinking, song. Well, that's pretty... it, it was that and like a Rolling Stone, you know. Um, I mean, that whole first couple Bob Dylan albums and uh, my first album was Surfing. You, surfing? Beach Boys. Um, I remember buying it. I figured that wasn't Bob Dylan. I think it was before Surfing USA. Hmm. I, you'll have to look that up, see what their first album was. But it was, it was pressed in the Philippines, and it was a, it was way too thick, and it was Pet so Sounds, heavy. Obviously, is their first album, isn't it? Pet Sounds. Oh no, Pet Sounds is way in the future. Oh yeah, that's not. That's yeah, that's when Brian was yeah, really yeah. going intense. Uh, no, Surfing th- Safari. <laughs> It could have been Surf and Safari. I think it was the one with the picture of the three of them, uh, the five of them holding the surfboard. 
those songs were a little <laughs> harder to learn, and I certainly couldn't sing them. Um, they were a big influence, too. In fact, there used to be fistfights, I remember, at junior high school over whether you liked the, the Beatles or the Beach Boys more because it was un-American to like the Beatles. Huh. And then later in junior high school— I was even thinking of this like, like a— country versus country thing i was thinking just thematically there's a lot of oh a lot of difference a lot of, <laughs> and they liked each other's music you know that's what's really weird about it the uh when i got into um junior high school in the states there was and the monkeys came out oh i mean the fights over the monkeys or the beatles were amazing you know, like, where'd you land on that oh i don't know yeah you were you were a referee I was probably a referee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, it is time for your first song, which, as I said before the show, it brought a smile to my face. So what is it, and would you like to tell a story, or would you like to listen to it? Well, let's tell the story first, since I like to hear myself talk. The... um, I remember hearing this song probably when it first came out in 1958. Um, I, I tried to remember the name of the person who did it, but I can't remember. Um, but I gave it to you. So you Sheb, Sheb Woolley. Sheb Woolley. Okay. Uh, all right. So Sheb Woolley did this song. My parents uh, would pile us all into my uh, parents' uh, 55 Chevy Nomad wagon. And in, we lived in Milwaukee at that point. And we would go up to this place called, if I remember correctly, and when my sister hears this, she'll call me and tell me you got it all wrong. But... Um, <laughs> Because she always does that. But it was probably 1958 in the summer uh, and because that's when I think the song came out in 58. Yep. And we were driving up to the lake uh, where we stayed in cabins with other people that we knew. And uh, by the time we got to the lake and back, we must have heard that song 50 times because of payola. They only played like 10 songs in those days. Right. And uh, so that was the one – one-eared, one-horned, flying purple people-eater or something. <laughs> one eye. One eye, one-horned, <laughs> flying purple people-eater. And I remember that song, and I still wake up screaming and singing it sometimes. Were you, were you um, um, uh, when it kept coming back on, were you all like, ah? Or at the time, no, was it no, like, no, it, it, was, it, was, it was very exciting? It was exciting because I don't remember any other music from those days. I'm sure if Elvis came on, my parents turned it off. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, and we didn't have news shows, so... So I don't had, know what so we had, did. So you had to listen to it's all people AM radio. sing about purple okay. people eaters. Okay, right. Okay, well, let's do this. Uh, all right. Purple people eater, Sheb Woolley, released in 58 as on a 45 record. <laughs> what uh, What kind of car was that? It was a, I think it was a 55 Chevy Nomad that would be worth a fortune now, but oh, it, yeah. you know, my mother called it the hearse. Um I can't believe I picked that one song and my chance at stardom and I, I picked that song. Okay. <laughs> stardom. We could all dream. We could all dream. Um, uh, that is so, that has so much stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just jammed it's full. much more intense than I thought it was. Um, do you play that? No, but I... I it's I'm, got some key changes going on in there. It does. It? it does. I do eggplant that ate <laughs> Chicago. I don't know that one. You should you should learn that song. You know the you know the song. Um, oh, anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style, David. <laughs> and just in one ear and gone. It was yeah. there, and then you just yeah. you went right. I, it'll come back to me before the time's up too, and you'll. Uh, 
Anyway, um, go ahead. No, so um, uh, the, so that sort of that satirical kind of thing was that completely new to you, or was that something that was that like your first exposure to that? Kind no, of thing? my father was that way. My father okay. would take me for a ride in the car, and um, he was he was the probably the funniest man I ever knew uh, when he was funny, and uh, he he was very political and very ahead of his time as far as. Uh, uh, race relations and and liberalism. Um, in fact, people used to call him a communist and other things that I won't say on radio. Um, I mean, he married a Jew in the fifties. Uh, you don't do that. Um, and he was like the Peace Corps guy, right? He was the Peace right, Corps yeah. guy, and he ran for alderman, which is like city council in Milwaukee. And who knows why he lost? But he lost by fifty some votes, and um, and. He always had his reasons why. Um, so anyhow, uh, he would take me out to get a burger or go fishing or whatever as a little kid, and he would make up songs all the time. Uh, and they were usually silly, funny like that song, nothing too deep that I remember anyway. And I think that's where I got a lot of my um, craziness from. So. My mother didn't appreciate his silliness. No? No, and none of my five wives really appreciated mine. <laughs> um, so uh, you don't play that song. Do you play songs in that vein? Like, do you have any... You, you mean know, Flying Purple People Eaters? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I play silly stuff, yeah. Do you, What was the first song that you wrote? What, what was the oh style God. of the first song that you wrote? Was oh, that, that had to be a love song. Oh, yeah? You know, I mean, I think I started writing in earnest when I was about 17, and... Uh, I dropped out of high school and I was hitchhiking around the country and I, I had a guitar with me and I would write uh, tear jerkers. I, one of my favorite songs today that I still do is, well, I still do all of them pretty much, um, uh, is, is a song I wrote when I was about 19 I think 18 or 19. You said you were born in 52? 52. So, like, if you dropped out of high school, you would have been doing that traveling around in, like, late 60s doing I, stuff. I, I uh, after Woodstock, which I didn't go to, I... Uh, were you aware of it? Was it something that I you was. Were... I went to the Atlantic City Pop Festival a couple weeks before Woodstock, and I ended up in jail. So... Whoa. What'd you and, do? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was... Uh, sup- <laughs> I don't know. Somebody slipped me something, which I probably allowed them to slip me. And we were all camping out, and we had just seen Credence and Janis Joplin and uh, lots of really good music. And um, we were all worked up, and we were drinking a lot of Ripple. And somebody, <laughs> some, somebody slipped me something. Like I said, I probably asked for it. And uh, the next thing I know, I was um, arrested for grand theft auto in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And um, that escalated quickly. I, exactly. Yeah, I don't remember how or why, and I, I, I wouldn't hurt a fly. But what had happened was I borrowed a friend's car to go look for another friend who was lost, and he decided I had stolen it. Ah, okay. So it was a misunderstanding yeah. about a car. It was, you know, um, it was better that than a girl. I love the nonchalance of that. I just have to stop and point that out. Isn't that every teenager's life? I adore it. So, you know, when we had Bill Metz on, who you know, uh, he talked about wanting to learn the guitar so he could woo women. Was that, was that your same rationale? Absolutely. In fact, I've been making, I was supposed to have my 50th high school uh, reunion next month, but they canceled it because of COVID. So 
I've gotten to know some of the people that I don't even remember from high school, and they remember me sitting out in the smoking section outside of high school playing guitar. And that's exactly, I think, why I did it. I mean, that and it's always been a therapeutic release for me, but and writing is. Um, but I think a lot of it was if you had a guitar and your hair was over your ears, you had a date. <laughs> so, um, teaser bag. Yeah, mark that down. Yeah, um, but that was that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many songs do you have in your? repertoire in your brain without notes or help approximately probably a couple hundred couple hundred how many more if you could you know pull up the you know get a little memory nudge i think i have about four or five hundred on my tablet now hmm and how many uh have you written i've written 40 that i'll do publicly um is your new album uh, all original yes okay um acma I say you see you're a founding member. I am. Uh, ACMA was founded, which is the Americana Music Community Music Association, right in Fort Myers, in Fort Myers, and it was um, founded eight years ago. Is that right? Um, Dates are very foggy to me. Um, In Fort Myers, by a group of of women who just loved house concerts and and type of music we do, singer songwriter music that singer songwriter music that we do and um they formed this organization to try to promote that kind of music um rented a space on cleveland avenue we started doing shows it was um and then bringing in people from all over the country all over the world to perform and it's grown really well uh it's a really great organization we've had several guests on this show thanks to them stopping through town and if you take any of my suggestions, you'll have several more. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that there at the end. Um, so uh, before we get to your second song, I see through Facebook um, that you are, is this, a, is this a coronavirus hobby of finding guitars and then tweaking them up? Or is this just something you always do? I, I love working on guitars. But because of coronavirus, it's, it's been really great. I mean, I've been buying at least one a week. And uh, sometimes I'll donate them. Sometimes I'll sell them. Sometimes I, now I have about 13 guitars sitting in the house. I keep them. And uh, I just love doing it. I like working with my hands. And I've refinished a couple tables. And I got a car that somebody was going to junk and fix it up and sold it. And I, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to keep busy, I guess. Hmm. Uh, and just the, the way we met, I, I alluded to this earlier, was that you posted on Facebook. You had gotten your hands on a kid's squire stratocaster right that needed some tweaking mm-hmm. but then you made it go and so i got it and now my daughter by the way she has spent she spent seven hours yesterday really fantastic with youtube up on one screen and tabs up on the other screen it's so easy for them now she, well and she's <laughs> spent a lot of time with the ukulele so she understood her she has the dexterity mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. i got home yesterday and she's like dad it's so easy it's so much easier than i thought it was going to be so i'm very yeah. excited I'm, I'm so glad you like it is, um, is your your ability to fix up um guitars and cars is that is that um did you do that for a living at any point, or is that just... Well, the car thing was because I got sent to vocational rehabilitation instead of prison. Because uh, you stole a car and went to Atlantic City? No, that no. Was, it was much worse than that. We won't get into it. Ooh. But, um, but uh, no. So I got sent to General Motors training, and they, they made me into a mechanic. But I'd always been sort of mechanical. And after that, I started working in car dealers and 
shops and I owned a shop and I did that for a lot of years. So when and, and when what's your experience with guitar and their innards? Well, it's up until recently it's been all uh, folk type guitars, uh, and now I, I've been getting into the electric stuff. Um, What's my experience with it? I just meant, how did you start fixing them? Well, when you own a guitar, you got to learn how to do. Well, I think you do. You have to learn how to do things like change the strings, and keep them clean, and fix the tuners, and and once in a while a bridge will pop off or a fret mm-hmm. will come loose or something. And I guess some people take them somewhere and get them fixed, but I've always liked fixing things. So. You're a what they call these days DIY guy. Is that right? Do it yourself. Okay, then. All right. Um, okay, it is time for your second song. <laughs> Which was what? Uh, the National National Brotherhood. Oh, National Brotherhood Week. Yeah. Week, yes. Yeah. Um, National Brotherhood Week, the reason I picked that song was because I think it says a lot about the way I was raised. Um, the, the liberalism and the... In the acceptance of everybody, uh, my parents used to sing a lot of gospel songs like, you know, all equal and the same till the Lord he called your name. I remember that line. Um, and that's the way we were brought up. Um, my parents adopted my youngest sister from Korea. My mother, as I said, was Jewish. Um, and so we had a really uh, blended, a good blended family of different faiths and different outlooks on things. Um, and with all the Peace Corps volunteers that my parents would have over to, to drink too much and probably maybe smoke some stuff, and and us little, we little kids would uh, get to hang out with them and and hear things and learn things. And one of the things they used to play a lot was Tom Lair, uh, uh, along with you know things like Pete Seeger and and and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I remember the Tom Lair stuff because I just love it. I, I play it. Sometimes I'll play it out at a bar. People don't get it, but I, I still do it. Um, so be prepared. No, not be prepared. Uh, National Brotherhood Week I picked because of the of what it says. So um, I have it f- uh, with the intro that comes with it on the album and just the song. Do you want to play one or the other? There's like a spoken intro that was what I found. Just play the song, I think. Okay, this is National Brotherhood Week by Tom Lair. Uh, it's the first track on his 1965 album, That Was the Year That Was. Be grateful that it doesn't last all year. What's that to make you think, listening to that now with us <laughs> through this? It's... Uh, it's a shame they've. Uh, there is no longer any National Brotherhood Week. There really was one. Uh, this morning I looked up Lena Horn and Sheriff Clark just to make sure I got them right. And uh, yeah, those were the days. Um, it would be nice if there was a little, little more love and a little less hate. But uh, like I told you, I think when you came over, if my neighbors don't talk to me anymore, right? You've yeah. got a sign on your window. <laughs> It's I not even a, a very flamboyant or, you know, it's not a, no, a it's, big it's in your not, face. I sign. put another one up today. It said, it says AOC rocks. I and, bet they love that. Uh, I'll probably get a rock through the window. Yeah. I mentioned to my <laughs> daughter that that's what you said, that you don't really talk to your neighbors these days. And I, I, my, my question was, did you used to? Yeah. Well, did, you know what I mean? Like, like has, has that been a, an evolution? It, it has. I mean, it's. I have a neighbor across the street that I used to talk to a lot, and he won't talk to me anymore at all, which is a shame. And the people right next to me um, were, were great 
we get along really great. They come to my shows. They bought my CD and stuff. And and I know that they watch Fox News at night because we share, we share TV. But anyway, um, but one day the lady came over and she wanted to ask me a question about Nancy Pelosi. And we got in this – we started getting in this heated conversation and I said, I can't talk to you. And I just went in the house. And ever since then, we've sort of been – you know, we still get along, but we still – just agree to right. stay out of each other's business. I think that's the smartest thing to do. It's, <sighs> what does the first sign say that you had up? I didn't hear that part. It's, it says, dump Trump November 3rd. It's just like it's eight and a half by 11, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's even like, smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, um, that reminded me, that's, that song reminded me of uh, the one on the right is on the left, the Johnny Cash song. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 okay. About a band. Right. The, the one on the right is on the left, and the one on the left is on the right, and the one in the there, middle. There's oh, – somebody posted today that that they – sports people and musicians and artists have no business getting into politics. And I don't see any reason to be in music or art unless I'm into politics. Hmm. I mean, that's what it's all about for me. But other people would argue that's not true. Um, do you play that song? I can hear like that on the guitar. Yeah. Which song? The one we just listened to, National Brotherhood Week. <laughs> no, I do. I, <laughs> no, the Johnny Cash song that Richard made. I do. I do. Be prepared. <clears throat> How's that go? And it says, "Be prepared." It's a Boy Scouts marching song. Be prepared as through life you march along. Don't solicit for your sister. That's not nice unless you get a good percentage of her price. Hmm. That's one of the verses. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> So, so no, no, that's okay. So, do you ever do karaoke? No, no, I'm terrible. I can't, I can't uh, do karaoke. They had a COVID party for karaoke. Why in can't my you park. do karaoke? You get up in front of people with a guitar. And oh sing. no, I could do it. Oh. I just can't. It. I have a real hard time with click tracks or follow the bouncing ball. I noticed on your first try at the themes or the counting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't remember that you wanted me to do a click track and count along with it. When 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 Roy did my light, latest album, he said we're going to do a click track. I said don't even bother. I said my timing is what it is. You know. Right. Um, so. so does that mean you generally play just by yourself? No, uh, my duo <laughs> that I do, The Obstructionists, which is the duo I'm in with Ross Jordan, um, Ross just knows, he, he just knows my timing. He just, you know, sometimes I'll go a half a beat too long or a half a beat too short. It just, hmm. He just knows my timing. <clears throat> um, seen lots of live shows? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, after you had asked me to do this, I started, uh, I woke up one morning and I just laid there in bed thinking of all the shows and like, I remember going to one show. It was Herman's Hermits. They were the top bill. The Blues Magoos were second bill. And the Who was first bill. I mean, was, Blues was, Magoo? The Blues Magoos. You ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet, yeah. I think, was their one song. Okay, I know that. Yeah, they yeah. were out of Ohio, I think. Um, but the Who opened up for everybody. Nobody would seen the Who. Wow, that's And wild. I, I had uh, just gotten my first Melody Maker guitar, my Gibson. And... Um, and they did my generation or something, and they smashed all their equipment. <laughs> and it really ticked me off because I'd busted my butt delivering newspapers to get this melody maker, you know. But um, I can't believe they opened for the Blues Magoos and Herman's Hermits. What year would that have been if you had to 66, guess? 66, probably. 66? Yeah. Okay, so you ready for this? So my first concert would have been in the mid-'80s. I was about 14. Uh, my parents took us up to Charlotte County for the Charlotte County Fair. 
and it was the Monkees on their reunion tour. Wow. And the openers were Herman's Hermits and Kirby, you know, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Right, yeah. <laughs> Lady willpower. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, any any uh, peak, like, big experience music, you know, live? You didn't go to Woodstock. You mentioned a festival. like The the one before that was the Atlantic City Pop Festival. Let's see. Any big things? Just anything. Like, what was, like, one of the most memorable, you know, big shows you went to? Uh, the Rolling Stones once when I got to, it was at RFK, and we were about... 20 rows back in the center standing up for the stones and now they were it was probably in the 90s and okay. so they were still young enough to dance it was a pretty intense show do they not dance the these days yeah. oh, mm-hmm. oh you describe the crowd yeah like I'm, I'm just very curious what the atmosphere at well rfk was Rolling packed stones. so it was yeah. probably fifty thousand people and it was um you know, I mean, it was as loud as as you could make it, and they, it was just, it was like electric. It was, it never stopped. Um, but I, I mean, I saw so many bands. Um, I don't remember a lot of them. I, I know I went to see the Grateful Dead once, but I don't remember it. Them no. I don't think a lot of. Do people you remember do. going? I remember getting there, and I remember okay. waking up in a graveyard in Georgetown. <laughs> okay, but. How far away was the graveyard from the venue? Not very far. Okay, it was good. Georgetown was where the concert foot, was. Foot traffic distance? Yeah. You know where the stairs are in The Exorcist? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Above those stairs is where the graveyard is. Oh. I love all of these nonchalant, dropped, yeah, amazing details. That I'm I just sorry. So, I no, just... no, no, no. It makes it even better, <laughs> I think. So is there any truth, because I know there's not, because you're wearing them, but that you don't wear shoes? Or was that just the, that... Oh, Were you wearing well, shoes when you came in? I did because I thought it would be rude if I didn't, but I hate wearing shoes. I was wondering if, you know, I... I wear shoes when I go to the grocery store, and uh, and I keep them in the car in case I get pulled over. I've only worn socks once since March 13th. I, I don't think I've worn <laughs> socks this year. <laughs> I mean... We don't need to go into the rest of our wardrobe, do we? No, but it's true. I haven't. That's, That's when everything shut here. down. Like, I work uh, at home or in an empty building now, so I wear sandals. Right. And, yeah. you know, why put on socks if you're going to wear sandals, you know? Yep. Why put on shoes if you can wear sandals, I guess is what exactly. I'm really Why put on sandals if you don't need them? That's, yeah. I, I ride my bike around my too, park. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. Barefoot is so nice. Uh, what's your favorite venue to play in town? I mean, For the record, he really is barefoot. Yeah, that's why I, <laughs> yeah, I, I really am barefoot. Oh, you are, yeah. My favorite venue to play in town? Um, or stage or venue? I love playing at it? the ACMA. Which is at the Unitarian, at the Unitarian uh, Church on um, McGregor. McGregor. It's a neat little place, neat it's, little it's neighborhood. A great community. It's, you know, I was going to do a CD release party there. Um, of course, COVID ended all that. Uh, I, I usually play there at least once a year. And I love playing it. There's a cigar bar down in Naples, a uh, cigar store that I love playing at. I can't breathe for two days after I play there. But I go in there and I love going in there because I can do my political songs and nobody in there agrees with me. And they still buy my CDs. Hmm. So it's it's nice. Um, um, what was the last gig you played before we had to stop going out and playing gigs? Uh, I think it was the Boathouse on 31. Have you, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, have you done any streaming like some artists have been doing? 
every once in a while I'll write a song and I'll get on there and play it. Um, uh, last night I did a John Fogarty song and played it live. Uh, Ross and I did a two-hour show a couple days ago on Facebook Live. Um, but that's the first time we've done that. Uh, there are a lot of musicians out there who need the money. And uh, I support them like Roy and Kim and stuff like that when they'll do a streaming show. I don't think I need to do – I don't need the money. So um, – and I'm not sure anybody would watch. <laughs> so to keep my ego from being destroyed, yeah, exactly. I don't do don't it. Don't even try, right. Yeah. Um, how do you listen to music at, at your house? Like A lot of it is on YouTube these days. Um, I do have I do have vinyl and I have an old stereo system and it sounds great and I have CDs and I have the computer. But um, – you know, YouTube is just so easy and uh, just sounds okay. Uh, do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you'll sing with us? <laughs> no, but the Sky Rizzy commercial drives me absolutely out of my mind. What's that? I don't know. It's some drug they're selling for something. Oh, so something con- contemporary? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have TV, so I don't well, even know. I do. I do once in a while. Um, Sing the theme to I think it's I think it's Bewitched, but I, I may huh. be wrong on that. But uh, I, I'm no not. Words to the Bewitched theme, though. It's just that's um, why I da, sing it. Well, they know it. Now, see, I can't stump anybody. Um, no, no. Hey, uh, hey, we're the mon- <laughs> hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Hey, we can do that. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah let's that. pull that out here. <laughs> that counts. Does it? Oh, of yeah. course. Oh yeah. I watch. I watch actually a lot of that because um, I was when I was young and I was at home after school. Nickelodeon mm-hmm. would in the middle of the day played kind of older programming because we was kids, and so I watched like, a lot of the monkeys. Wow! I'll have to stream that. Here we come, walking down the street. Get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're too busy singing to put anybody down. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> ah, we uh, we like to have that's good. some I fun around here occasionally. Studio, actually, is what I think it is. I honestly think we just like to yell. I think we just like to yell in here. It's okay. it's a lot of fun in here. It really is. I've uh, been alone for four, four months. Yeah, this is like human interaction through a window. I mean, I've gotten to know my uh, palmetto bugs by name. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lizard that's been driving around the car with me. <laughs> Do you know lately. they eat palmetto bugs? Uh, I figure. I mean, they, and they leave the legs. Oh wow! So every once in a while, I'll find legs. Huh. For palmetto bugs. I never knew that. I had to actually Google it. And then you go, there goes Bob, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or never mind. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, uh, What about uh, uh, almost third song time, but what about like um, musicals, Broadway musicals? Uh, Pirates of Penzance. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, Of course, Hair, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm -hmm. But my parents took us to see My Fair Lady in London. On our way to Africa. And um, there were the three of us kids. My little brother was – he was born in 60 – no, when was he born? 55. So this was 61. So he was probably five or six. And I was seven and my sister was eight 
and uh, we went and saw My Fair Lady live at Piccadilly Circus. Is that what that area is called? Yes. And uh, the British people used to have my, – my mother said there was a sign-up that said, no American children allowed in this restaurant. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yes, that was probably the most – that was an amazing experience. It sounds like it. Yeah, see, but I been. never would have remembered that. I don't remember a lot unless people ask. We so. nudge memory here. That's oh, it's thing. great. This is wonderful. Do you, uh, do you ever go see shows here in town, like back in you know, Barbara we, B. Mann? We went and saw um, Book of Mormon. Ah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, I went and saw Book of Mormon. I can't remember if I saw anything else, but it'll come to me if I did. Okay. Well, while you're thinking, we're going to move on to your last song, uh, which, speaking of which, uh, coincidentally, um, uh, it's hair. Mm-hmm. So what, do you want to talk some about it? Yeah, or? let's just get that out of the way. My parents took my sister, my older sister and I to see hair. I don't think they took my younger brother because there was going to be nudity. Um, and it was, of course, during Vietnam, and it was before I got drafted, so that I was probably 15 or 16. And because uh, it was 1968, I think, right? On Broadway? Mm-hmm. It was in D.C., so it wasn't oh, on uh, Broadway, but it was the Broadway cast. Okay. Uh, yeah, then 68, 67 to 69 was like the original. Yeah, it was, it was probably 67, 67, 60. Anyway, and it, that was really good because what it did was it, it opened me up to very intensely uh, not acceptable lyrics – and I, there are still songs from here that I'll sing these days that you can't sing out in public and um, that they offend everybody. And then uh, it was just really good because it, it brought together rock and roll and it brought together uh, stage. And, and I've done a little bit on stage but not much. I wasn't very good at it. And and musical theater was just – it was just fantastic. And then at the end, they invite you up for the B-in. So I don't think my parents went up. My sister and I went up, and we got on stage, and we, you know, they were all naked. It was very intense. And you, <laughs> and you were how old? I think I was sixteen. You just mentioned that you were drafted. I, I was I was in the draft in nineteen seventy one. I was number thirty eight. I was not drafted. Okay, gotcha. I got a psychiatric deferment. Okay. A lot of us got psychiatric differences. Understood. Yeah. Um, well, you want to go ahead and listen to this? Sure. Okay, this is uh, the song Hair from the musical Hair. This is the recording of the original Broadway cast. Your eyes were closed that whole time. What yeah. were you looking at? Was, as soon as the show started, the song started, Tara was like, oh, he just went somewhere. I did. I went back there. Yeah. It was. I went back to Vietnam or that era, and uh, and uh, and the eggplant that ate Chicago. And um, do you know the eggplant that ate Chicago? I don't. Oh, okay. Do you know you know um, that um, Spirit in the Sky? I do know that. Okay, that's the same guy. Okay, okay. So, eggplant that ate Chicago came out before that, and uh, it's a song I do play out. And uh, we don't need to go anywhere past that. Okay. It's, it's um, much better than Spirit in the Sky. How much uh, hair did you have? Uh, I had a good amount of hair. Um, my hair's always been kind of thinning, though. I had friends with much better hair. Me too. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, uh, that song, you know, you like we said, you, you closed your eyes, you went back there. Were you remembering that day, seeing it? Were you just sort of, you know, images from that entire I mean, it was just era? a whole flash of, of images that went through. No, not so much just that day. No. Hmm. Was when was the last time you listened to that? I probably play it on guitar more than I listen to it. I haven't listened to it for ages, so I should listen to it again. That seems like that would be a... I don't want to say necessarily complicated, but there's a lot going on there for a, an acoustic guitar. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. There's there's another I meant, song. I meant hair. Can you edit stuff out? That... No, we don't. Oh. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of um, songs on that album if you want to refresh yourself in private about okay. that album. But that... you don't play hair. No. On the, okay, that's what I was envisioning, no. like doing all the voices and stuff. <laughs> no, like, no. Wow. That's one I might put on really loud and sing along with and dance around, you know, in uh, COVID You have to dress. get like, you know, like if people do, the, people do the loops, you know, the guitarists that do the loops. Where I, they, I can't do you that. You can There's do that some... whole song in loops by the end. Right. It's just like an Whoa. epic. <laughs> oh, and the bass, line, the bass process. line in that thing at the end is just. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway. So uh, was there a fourth song that you that you almost came to that you had to kick off? No, no, no. I mean, I, I th th these came pretty quickly. I saw you, and you gave you you sent me the songs shortly thereafter. I, I called my sister and I said I need to talk about things that are, that really happened on <laughs> okay. these songs, fact and not check make me. it up. Can right. you fact check me? And um, I mean, there's. There's so many, so many intense. I mean, there, I was thinking of songs like there's a Jackson Brown song that that I I I would have put on, but it, it, you can't play it on the radio. And um, but it was uh, there was a lot of old Jackson Brown songs that were very important. But I mean, if you want to play Eggplant That Ate Chicago, I mean, you know that that's pretty silly. We're going to play a little bit of it. Okay, because, I, I mean, I love John Prine stuff. See, my shirt. Dr. West's Medicine Show and Junk Band. <laughs> It just keeps going on like that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, it turns into a sing-along when you do it. And pretty bet. much, yeah. If people can remember what they're singing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, go, Richard. The author of that later wrote Spirit in the Sky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still alive. He lives in San Francisco. And he made, I, I was listening to something he, he, he did on YouTube or something once long ago. And he said he made enough money off Spirit in the Sky that he never had to work again. Wow. And what people don't know is it's, it's sort of a jab at, mm -hmm. at uh, Christianity. But, huh. but people didn't know that. So. <laughs> um, we haven't really talked about what kind of music you listen to like these days. Do you, well, you, do you have certain, you know, you talk a lot about like folk stuff. But what do you listen to? Like if you're at home and you want to put on some music. I, you know what? I'll listen to all sorts of um, uh, I'll go through stages. Like I'll listen to somebody like Hayes Carl or 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 somebody like that. Uh, I like singer songwriters that are not really well known, um, and that that speak to me. Robert Earl Keane or um, Lyle Lovett or stuff like that. Um, 
uh, Sean Colvin. You know, okay. just yeah. every once in a while, I'll just be I'll be on YouTube and I'll just start letting it go and just let it go, and and it'll bring me up to p- things I never heard of. Mandolin Orange. I didn't know who that was, and all of a sudden it popped up on YouTube. So there's a whole lot of really good music there. Um, or Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, um, that if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll get the stuff that isn't isn't popular but is just really, really good. And then, of course, with the CDs that I write, I get CDs back from all the people that and, – and they probably do with mine what I do with theirs. A lot of times I'll listen to them one time and I'll never listen to them again. But sometimes there's there's just a, a gem, yeah. you know, that you'll never hear on the radio. It's just absolutely amazing what's out there. Bill Metz mm. writes some of the best yeah. music out there or Racer Bone, you know. Um, we have really great songwriters in this area. What's the what's the most in your in your opinion? Uh, what do you think is the most mainstream, popular, current uh, band that you listen to, or singer songwriter that you listen to? In the the moment, yeah. Like I just want to. I'm trying to gauge how how mainstream you go. Like 1980s. Um, That's <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> really unfair to hit me with that. Um, you know, I really did stop years ago. Uh, I don't know. I, wow, that's terrible. Not Lady Gaga. No, but I saw her perform on on one of those world around the world things, and she played piano pretty good. She's, she's a great. That's yeah, where she she's started. A great musician. Yeah. Um, she's, she acts like Lady Gaga. Uh, you know, people people <laughs> yeah. will mention somebody, and I'll say I don't know who that is, and they'll say, "Oh, come on, you got to know who that is." Like, and I don't. Um, I guess I'm kind of stuck in the past for the most part. So you're YouTubing, so you're piecemealing. Do you ever sit down and listen to an album in its entirety? When was the last time you yeah, did that? Yeah, I will do that. Um, like, uh, there's, a, there's a great new album out called uh, Listen to Women by Grant Peoples. And I'll listen to that whole thing through a couple times. I don't know if you know who Grant is. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a singer-songwriter out and, a, and a really, really good poet out of Tallahassee. He's about my age and a little younger. But he is intense. I've opened up for him a couple times, and I've seen him across the country. Uh, so if you get a chance to listen to his stuff, it's very intense stuff. But he did a, an album recently. It's all songs written by women. And, uh, and I think that kind of stuff is the kind of stuff I like to listen to that opens my mind a little bit. Um, not a whole lot, but a little bit. A little bit. What, what, ha- what album maybe have you listened to the most in your life? Jerry Jeff Walker's Riding High. Hmm. Okay, good answer. Um, I know uh, every song on that album. Hmm. Um, if you can play with any musician, alive or dead, who would you want to sit down and play with? Somebody that knew your timing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alive or dead, if I could play with any musician. Well, of course, there's Ross Jordan, but um, who I play with. But um, I don't know. Um, I would... Uh, I'd like to have sat down with John Prine, I think, because mm-hmm. he was he was a hero to me. That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, when you first were— Or Steve Goodman. Who's that? Steve Goodman. Um, Steve Goodman was John Prine's sidekick. Oh, okay. Steve Goodman died of leukemia, I think, in the 90s. 
and he wrote he wrote uh, City of New Orleans. Oh, I just came across him thanks to Glenn Sabatka. Do you know oh, Glenn Sabatka? Oh, I know Glenn really well. Glenn Glenn Glenn, Glenn Sabatka, like he wore me out about that guy, and then oh, I would watch the video and yeah, watch listen to his albums. He was one heck of a writer. Yeah, that's what yeah. I got. I just and watched that a video of him playing that city, city of New Orleans. He and so John Prine wrote You Never Even Call Me By My Name. Huh. Okay, the David Allen Coe song. Uh-huh. John Prine wouldn't accept uh, Royal... Uh, he didn't want to have anything to do with it, but I think that was a joke. But hmm, Interesting. But that was, um, so when you were uh, a kid and the monkeys came out, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to realize that they weren't playing those songs? Well, it was, and then it was like that was, it was what Neil Fist Diamond, fights. right? <laughs> well, Neil Diamond wrote a lot of them, or um, uh, there were two guys that wrote most of their stuff. Um, and then Mike Nesmith tried to get some of his stuff put in there, but they, they weren't hearing it to, till the end, and I don't think it went over very well. Uh, you know, it, it took a while. It was very well staged. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, it was very. I'm just well wondering, saved. being there at the time, where you were, it was that's it? A part of what the fistfights were about huh. in eighth grade. Yeah, because the Beatles played their own stuff, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> that's like you know somebody needs to make a movie. It's like saying the moon landing didn't exist. Right. Exactly. The a Beatles, mo- a mockumentary. The Beatles. Yeah, the mockumentary yes. about the Beatles being like a produced boy band. <laughs> Never playing their own. Oh, I love it. I saw them live. I know they can play. There's four guys out there somewhere that are like, but we were really the Beatles. Yeah, Millie Vanilli. (laughs) Yep, Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Okay, uh, David, we have come to the end of the train. So if you can um, recommend three people that we should try to get on the show. Okay, and, and, you know, every time I do something like this, I worry that the other 630,000 that I know will get upset. Blame it on us. Right. Laura Leary. Laura Leary. Do you know Laura? I don't. Laura is a, a, a fantastic musician, and she lives in Naples. Is that all right? Is that too far? Of course. Okay. We, it could be anywhere. She's a, she's she's a violinist. Strings. She's a fiddlist, fiddle player. Oh, okay. so, yeah. She yeah. is unbelievably good, and she will probably have stories that will wow you. Uh, number two is Robert Bidney. Uh, Robert is a local singer-songwriter, but he grew up doing jingles and stuff. Um he has several albums out, and uh, and he's he's just a mensch. So he'd be a good person to have. And the third one, um, oh, he did uh, Rush of Hope. Yes. So do you already know him? Have you already done him? Nope. N- no. But yeah, I, but I he did Rush is. of Hope, yeah. right? And didn't I send you all three, um, Richard? Maybe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I mean, I don't think I saw them. You're going to have to give me a minute. I'll take your time. Because I can't remember who the third one was. We will maybe edit some of this out. Good idea. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) I may may have it. It was was Alice Schaefer, who is um, one of the founders of the ACMA. Okay. And she is she loves music so much that I thought that she would be perfect for this show. Okay, perfect. And she's local. She grew up here. Well, great. Put us in touch with them. We'll make that happen. Uh, the fact that you remembered that as quickly as you did, did means we're not going to edit any of that other stuff out that just happened. Right, right. Um, and so, okay. Elephant, <laughs> pig, cow, woman, man. Boat. Right. Rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was just thinking about the thing I saw on the news the other day. Uh, never mind. Okay, um, last question is always, are there any songs you'll avoid listening to? Uh, yeah, the um, Kids for Cars commercial. Cars for Kids commercial. I turn the radio off when that comes on. You hate Cars for Kids. I just hate little kids' voices being used in songs. Okay, well put. Um, okay, that is the end, except now Richard's going to go in there. We're going to set you up, and you're going to play us our parting tune, right? Okay. Okay. Right. Go, go get them, Richard. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chin Kui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and periodic host. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Places I could travel Wasting precious time Standing in my way For this week's parting tune, we're handing it off to David. This is The Gift, performed live in studio. It's from his new album, Happy Today. Many years I've lived Have woven quite a story Triumphs and the tragedies All make me who I am I can't change the past Or be certain about the future Do the best I can with the gift that is today My life with you was special The here and now's a treasure I'll leave the past behind With no fears of what's to come Each day's a new beginning Enjoying what we're given The trick is being present To the gift that's here to find So if I'm dwelling in my past Scheming about tomorrow Then I'm missing all the living Could be mine today like some trophy in a case or maybe places I ain't traveled Wasting precious time I'm standing in my way So I'll do the best I can With the gift that is today Keep listening Next time on Three Song Stories. This is one of your EPs. Turns out constantly releasing music isn't a good coping mechanism. The cat was a good one, though. He's a good boy. (laughs) So what's up with the names? I listen to a lot of pretentious music. (laughs) Like...